It's Quebec's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, this is Mario Taniguzzi coming to you today with Montreal's Podcast, a member of Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen in Montreal, Quebec. So you can listen, discover, and engage. Today's guest is Vince Guzzo, who is owner and president of Cinemas Guzzo's in Quebec and also a dragon on Dragon's Den on CBC. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Vince. Thank you, Mario. First of all, let's start a, a little bit about being an entrepreneur and, uh, and, and your business. Uh, now, you have a few businesses. Let's start with the Cinemas first and how you got started and how uh, Cinemas Guzzo got started. Well, my father in 1974 bought a theater, a one-screen complex. Uh, then he was one of the first to uh, have a multiplex where he subdivided that into three screens. And then I joined the business in uh, 91, but I'm an only child. So while I joined the business in 91, I actually spent my weekends in, uh, in theaters since 1974. Uh, so very young age, my dad had got me a little uh, a red usher's blazer so that I can go around with my flashlight and tell people to put their feet down and help them uh, seat them and whatever. It, it kept me out of trouble, as he said. <laughs> and so, you know, I got involved in 91 right out of Western. Uh, and then part-time I went to law school. And then I, you know, uh, I'm the one who reviewed all of the leases and everything. So if, we, uh, if we're in a position today not to pay any rent, uh, legally is because of my, um, my drafting that, that special clause that I like to call 10.1.1, which says I'm not paying rent in case of force majeure. <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple of factual thing, things, Vince. How many cinemas do you have now? 10 locations, 144 screens, nine IMAXs. And we have, I would say, right now about one theater, uh, which is anywhere between 14 and 16 screens per year planned out for the next five years. Oh, okay, super then. Um, and you're looking to expand outside of Quebec? No, for now, we're still going to reconcentrate back in Quebec. Uh, I think, you know, a few things happened. And, uh, you know, with Cineplex possibly being sold to Cineworld and whatever, it created some opportunities in the Quebec market, which we're going to take right away. And then we're going to go back to our initial plan, which was to look at the province of Alberta, which... Um, which I, I think uh, I think a lot of people don't realize, but there's a lot of affinities between Alberta and Quebec. Okay, super. Uh, tell me, uh, you have a couple of other businesses. Tell me about them. So I have uh, also a pizzeria, uh, two pizzerias, and, and we have uh, three more underway, under construction, which is called Giulietta Pizzeria, okay. uh, which is right now, every one of them is located next to a movie theater. Basically, it's complementary to our theater business. Yeah. Uh, then I own a construction company. So the theaters are built by my construction company. And then we also have on a, I would say, uh, we in, in the medical research field. So we have Guzzo Medical. Uh, so while I preside those companies, uh, I really don't handle the day-to-day -day of them. But, uh, but I, I still, you know, I'm very involved in that. And then I did a few deals off uh, Dragon's Den. Uh, one of the ones that I'm uh, that I enjoy the most working with is uh, one called Rudy Lad, which is a uh, T-shirt company. Yeah. In fact, we have a series of uh, COVID-19 T-shirts. Uh, some of them are inappropriate, and then we have a cleaner version, uh, and so forth. Caps are coming out also for the COVID-19 thing. So it's uh, 
I think it'll be a determining factor for this, uh, for that venture. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you in a few minutes some COVID-related questions. So, but the, the question I'm just going to ask you now, uh, pre-COVID, like what are some of the greatest challenges you faced as uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, being a business owner? I think the hardest thing I had to do was to actually do as many varied projects as I was doing and actually not be micromanaging them yeah. and actually having to trust other people, you know, with my vision and my instructions. You know, in many senses, what I like to say is um, Dragon's Den came into my life at a point where I needed to be told, you got to let go if you want to if you want to explode the business uh, uh, part and you got to let go a bit and you got to do what you're best at and go get people that are, you know, so in the case of the t-shirt company, for example, Rudy Ladd, I really let Paul run that. We meet once, uh, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, but, but he's really running it. So that was the hardest thing for an entrepreneur. I remember most entrepreneurs are very hands-on, right? It's our baby, we created. I still keep, uh, an enormous amount of control over the cinema division. You know, it is, by the way, the one that's got my name in lights in its biggest format. So I, you know, I try and uh, I try and uh, handle that one. But that was my hardest, my hardest thing. In other words, um, I turned fifty last year, and so it was. Without saying I was getting ready for retirement, what I was saying is I was getting ready to let in other people in the day to day. You know, the kids were going to start coming in and so forth so that possibly one day I could um, call it a retirement if, 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 if there's such a thing. Okay. Over the years, uh, you've talked to obviously a lot of people, a lot of people giving you advice, et cetera. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received about being an entrepreneur? I would tell you that the best piece of advice I've ever received was from a very, very successful entrepreneur. He's no longer with us. And it was uh, not to listen to anybody else who doesn't know 100% of your business. And, and that's where I think, you know, we all make this mistake, right? We go see attorneys and we ask them for advice, but we always seem to forget to mention some key elements. And so the advice is given to us wrong. It's the same thing. I think we all have a problem, you know, with nudity in the sense of getting, you know, getting naked in front of others with all of our intimate secrets. And so the, the only people who could really evaluate what's right or wrong and what you should be doing is really you. I think that when we go get advice, I think what, what it really is, is we're just trying to get comfort. We're just trying to uh, be reminded that we're not alone. Because that is, you know, somebody, somebody once asked me the question, and, and actually it's the question that comes up all the time, right? What's the secret to success? Yeah. And so... Over the years, you know, you would say, well, you know, long hours, uh, working hard, uh, determination, you know, yeah, whatever buzzword was of the, of the time, that's what you use. I tell you, one of the things that as I turned 50 last year uh, started to, to hit me is the real secret to success, to accept the loneliness and the fact that it's, it's a lonely singular journey from where you started to success because at the end of the day, like I said, there's very few people who can tell you what you should do and shouldn't do. Sometimes we go out there and say, what's this new trend? What's going on? Truth of the matter is, a real entrepreneur remains connected. As long as he's being an entrepreneur. I mean, 
you know, when, when COVID-19 hit, I was the first one to argue with the Quebec authorities not to shut down theaters. I mean, you know, the media pulled a, what I would call a Donald Trump on me, where they, they, they took the beginning of the quote and they cut it at the right time to make me sound that I was insensitive, right? Basically, what I had said was, you know, we, we left the liquor stores open so we can all get drunk. <laughs> we left the pot stores open so we can all get stoned, but we, but we, we can't go watch movie theaters. So what are teenagers supposed to do? Well, they, they stopped that, but we can't go watch a movie. Click. And so it made it look like, hey, you know, Guzzo wants to keep theaters open because he wants to make money. The truth of the matter was it took three days after closing movie theaters that, uh, the, you know, our premier was pleading with parents and teenagers to keep their kids at home. We got on the phone and he said, okay, now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not keep 15, 16, 17-year-olds confined for very long because we all have this, this, you know, misconception that everybody lives like us, you know? So I'm lucky. I live in a big house. I got, and even then, it's a big house, but it's still small considering we're seven people living in it because I got five kids, uh-huh. right? And there are five kids that go from 10 years old to 22. So when when you know, there's two kinds of entrepreneurs. The, the, my father's interpretation was he's in Mexico and he says, well, it's okay. You know, uh, we got enough money to cover the burn, so let it be. And I instead said, no, wait up a minute. We're going to double down on it. Let's start recapitalizing. Let's start investing. Let's start changing, renovating some theaters. Let's start, you know, and all of a sudden, so it's two different philosophies, right? So in my mind, it was time to upgrade. It was time to do things that we would have done over the next five years. Let's do it now. We're closed. How long are we going to be closed for, right? Yeah. And so it's just two philosophies in a time of crisis. Many entrepreneurs, I think, who succeed and then fail along the way, it's because they've lost their way. And and, and you know, many entrepreneurs do lose their ways, uh, uh, and per se. But I think that what happens is as you, you know, when you start your entrepreneurial journey, you realize it's a lonely journey, but it's okay. You're willing to do the sacrifice. Then as success comes to you, you get used to the company. Yeah. And then you don't want to miss the company, but the company is actually distracting you. It's actually taking you off the ball of, of the game, right? So in a time like quarantining, the most dedicated entrepreneurs are probably refocusing more than ever because they're being left alone to do so, All right? So, and that's, I think, very important during this time. So what do you, what do you think uh, uh, businesses and entrepreneurs should be doing right now to A, survive, and then B, to prepare for the future? Well, you know, look, I tell you, an advice I gave someone not too long ago uh, in early January, Somebody sold part of their business and found themselves with a huge amount of liquidity and said to me, what should I do? I said, well, you know, what you should do is put 20% of your annual revenue and leave it liquid. And then the other 80%, you know, capitalize, do, you know, whatever. I gave him a few. And he says, 20%, that's a lot of money. So like, you never know. Yeah, I know, but 20% just sitting there at like, you know, a quarter of a point, half a point. Trust me, you want to be liquid. Put it somewhere where you can get, you know, something, but leave it liquid. You never know what happens. It's like an insurance policy. Call it that 2% that you're not making, that 3% you're not making, that 5%. Call it a premium on this insurance policy. You know, when COVID-19 hit, 
the first thing a lot of movie theaters did is they said, oh, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go under if, if we don't get help. My advice to the government was, before you give any money to any corporation, you better make sure that this company wasn't bankrupt 18 months ago and just surviving on you know, respirator because you're going to be really throwing good money with bad administrators. And that's what's coming out in a lot of movie theaters, right? So AMC, you know, who's a, who's a monster in the movie industry, has basically now been recapitalized it's forced its owners to actually pay more attention to AMC. Um, and they've managed to get out of trouble. But for the last 12 months, they were at the brink of always going bankruptcy, right? And, and so I think that at this time, what's very important is to reestablish priorities in your, in your company, in your corporation, in, in your life, if, you know, if in all intents and purposes, for an entrepreneurial life. Make sure you're validating where your monies should be spent. Make sure that, you know, if you're gonna invest. So I told the government, for example, when it came to the movie industry, I told them, don't give money to movie theaters for recapitalization. Give them money for the relaunch of the industry. In other words, you know, we wanna open nationwide on the 19th of June, so help us promote that theaters are back in business. Because when we do open on the 19th, we will not have brand new movies. We're only going to have old movies. That's probably going to last for anywhere between seven and 21 days. And then American movies are going to start gradually coming out. And so in the meantime, what did we have in our business that was inefficient? That was, you know, just let it be. It's just part of the business. That's the way it is, right? So many times we say we can't change stuff because that's the way it is. It's always been done that way. Leave it that way, right? And so those are the priorities, those are the analyses that we need to be doing now that we have the time. I'm just curious, uh, what do you enjoy about being an entrepreneur? Why do you do this? I would tell you being an entrepreneur is probably the modern version of medieval warfare. <laughs> In other words, it's, it's, you know, it's the competitive edge. When I got into the movie business, I was really headed uh, to New York City and, be, and, and become a uh, litigation lawyer. Oh, wow. And my father said, look, you know, uh, you're an only child. Your mom and I built this business. You, you, you want to come in with us or eventually we're just going to sell it off and, you know, going to be a normal family, I guess, you know, with normal weekends and so forth and so forth. So I said to him, I said, you know what, let me think about it. I went into work a few um, a few times in the office. And one of the things I handled was a few discussions with the U.S. studios. And when I realized how litigious some of those negotiations could be, I said to myself, you know, I don't have to go to New York and resolve somebody else's fights by being a litigator. I, I mean, I can litigate my own arguments here with my father and so forth. And, so. and that's how it started. I mean, it is, you know, um, there's a love-hate relationship. With, with the U.S. studios in the sense that they're my, they're my suppliers. I depend on them, but they can be abusive. And, and on the flip side, they depend on me as well. Every theater I opened back in 91, 92, whatever, was a confrontation against, you know, the old famous plays or Cineplex. I was a fight, you know. So, so I was always, because I was an only child, I had to impose myself. You know, I, I come from an Italian background, so 
most of the people who lived on the street that we lived on had three brothers, four kids. You know, they were like big family. So I got into a fight with, a, with one of the brothers. I got three other brothers who showed up, right? So yeah. I always had to be overly, I uh, take more space than I had to. I, I, always, I, was, I always used to say to people, I don't take a lot of space. I'm just taking a lot of buffer space so that you can't get too close. So I have enough protection uh, area, right? Yeah, yeah. And so for me, being an entrepreneur at the end of the day is about fighting a fight every day about something, right? So even in the medical, when we invest in the medical research, my fight right now, you know, in, in Guzzo Nano uh, uh, Corporation is basically uh, advancing nano research when it comes to finding a cure or a treatment for cancer. So for me, the enemy is cancer, and in some sense, sometimes the enemy is the medical infrastructure that stops us from being more efficient, right? So one of the first hurdles I had to get through when, when I started investing in the medical field was explaining to doctors that money is worth just as much to a rich person as it is to a non-rich person. <laughs> And so don't think that because I have the money to put in that it doesn't mean anything to me. So you have to respect the money just as much as if you were getting it from somebody who has less money. And so it's the continuous uh, uh, quest. It's that in some senses, it's that continuous gratification in winning the next fight. As a, as a dragon, a question I have for you is what do you look for in these entrepreneurs? What is the, some of the key things that you, you really, really uh, look at going forward? So, you, you know, I think one of the most important things for me is the coachability or the teachability of the person. If I have somebody that I feel I'm going to be arguing with on a continuous basis because the person is not willing to understand or not willing to be taught how to do things a little different, then I'm going to have a problem because, you know, partnerships are like a marriage, right? So I, I don't want to go into a marriage. I mean, I, you know, I've been divorced once already. I'm happily remarried, but you know, I, I don't, I just don't need it. I mean, you know, I, I was like to say, I got 25 good years left. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself while, you know, progressing my business and making my families uh, a way more money. But that's very important, the coachability. The other thing is honesty and the other thing is some humility. In other words, you know, a lot of people seem to forget, right? They come to us. So I can understand you come into the den. We know absolutely nothing about you when you come. Like, I don't even know you're coming. So it's not that I have a briefing on your company or anything. So you walk in. The minute you walk in, it's the first time I've heard of you. And so the problem is that a lot of times, so I can understand those people are nervous, right? They come in, you know, it's a big studio. It's the largest studio at CBC. So, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, and some of them, you can see that they're nervous. So you say, it's okay. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that a pitch lasts between 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So we get it then, you know, they then edit it down to 10 to 15 minutes, right? So there's things we see, like sometimes, you know, while the show's going on, I have friends who text me and says, how come nobody's asking him this? We <laughs> asked. It's just that didn't make the cut. Okay. But we asked them that. Don't worry about <laughs> it. So we understand people can be nervous, but. What happens sometimes is some people offset the nervousness by arrogance, right? And that arrogance sometimes 
comes out across as, okay, wait up a minute. This person doesn't realize who he's talking to, right? So he doesn't realize that we know that if you're standing there, chances are you've asked money to your mom and dad and they've said no. Your cousins and relatives have all said no. Your friends and families have said no. Some banks said no. And now you're at the point of giving up equity to make your dream happen, right? So we know that. I'm sitting there. I see it. I know why you're here. <laughs> and the fact that you don't recognize that, the fact that sometimes you as, a, as, as, as a, you know, somebody coming there would give me this attitude, you know, and, and we've had it you know, in season 14, we had somebody, Michelle, Arlene, everybody was trying to explain to him that what he, what he wanted to do was borderline illegal. And he basically turned around and said, you guys just don't understand. Right? And we're sitting there, but like, wait up a minute. You're asking me for a million bucks of my money, <laughs> and you're not going to force yourself to make me understand? Or you're not going to try and present it to me in a different way? Right? Instead, you're going to tell me that you have $20 million being thrown at you from Silicon Valley. Well, go get the $20 million and get out of my face. Like, I got other people I want to see, right? And so that's what you don't want to end up doing. Right? You don't want to have to deal with those people. The other thing you want is you do want somebody who's, you know, I don't know if you remember in one of the shows, there was a guy who, in all intents and purposes, he was a, I will call it a carpenter. He developed a, 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 um, a, a butcher block kind of counter finishing that was super durable, super beautiful, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. The guy in a very humble way was avoiding to answer a question. And, and everybody got mad at him. And then finally, I got him to answer the question. And then I got upset at all the dragons saying, okay, guys, the guy's trying to hold back the fact that he had an 80,000 square foot plant, had to downsize to 20,000 because he screwed it up. He made a mistake. He miscalculated his stuff. And you guys are making it look like he's got this big secret where God knows what he, you know, what was behind him. You know, like it's the big conspiracy theory, right? So get over it. Right. So, but you have to remember, like I said, we have sometimes only half an hour to determine, you know, I'll tell you, it's happened to me to lose deals and then get calls months later, say we were unable to do a deal with so-and-so. Do you want to reconsider doing a deal with us? And I sit down and I, and sometimes I do do a deal and sometimes I just give them the mentoring that they wanted and push them. And some other times I literally got to say to somebody, you're not getting, you're really not understanding how this is going to work. But the coachability, I would tell you, and the teachability is the key element because as long as you know that you, you're helping somebody better understand, better work at their stuff, you at least have the satisfaction, even if you've lost a few hundred thousand bucks, to say, you know what, we gave it a shot. And, and the guy, you know, we, we all gave it our best. Yeah. Okay, then. Is there anything you'd like to add, Vince, before you leave us today? Well, you know, guys, I, you know, I think the most important thing to remember is, you know, many times we associate entrepreneurship with just making money. I want everybody to realize that money is just, just a measuring gauge, right? So you make a lot of money, you're an amazing entrepreneur. You make less money, well, you're not as amazing, okay? But the truth of the matter is, I want you to understand that the entrepreneurial spirit is what you find in, in everything that has made humanity advance. I mean, you know, just look at the doctor who decided to 
find the cure for some vaccine, right? Let's call it COVID-19 right now, right? Those guys are just entrepreneurs in their field. They're just pushing. And many of them don't only do it for the money, right? The money is just that reward at the end. Sometimes it's just the satisfaction. You know, I always like to say there's a bit of self-centeredness in entrepreneurship. Steve Jobs is somebody that I met. I knew him. Um, he was a tyrant. But the thing he did best out of anybody else is he gave 120%. And people knew that as long as you saw his vision and followed his vision, you could get somewhere, right? A lot of the things Steve Jobs has accomplished with his team at Apple and so forth have changed our lives. Forget the money that he's made or not made, right? If I'm talking to you today on this on the Zoom, God knows that the first starting, you know, stepping block to this was probably the first iPhone that was ever created. So you can imagine, and so that's important that we don't associate entrepreneurship just to business, but there can be entrepreneurship in social enterprise, there could be in government, there could be in, in all kinds of sectors, the entrepreneurial spirit. And, and I think that's important. I think a lot of people forget that about entrepreneurship. Okay, super then. Well, thanks, Vince, for joining us today on Montreal Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. You can also connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at Canada's Podcast Network, where you can listen, discover, and engage with entrepreneurs in Canada.